0: Welcome to So You Want to Be a Copywriter, brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses. You can find out more about our copywriting courses at writerscentre.com.au slash copywriting. Now over to Bernadette. Criticism. We've all had it, and as long as we continue to be copywriters, we will continue to get it. But it's how we deal with it that makes all the difference. It can set us up to be better at what we do, or it can cut us to the quick and stop us from doing what we were born to do. In this podcast, I talk to Troy and Zara Love. Now, they're two of Australia's foremost performance and speech coaches. They've worked with politicians and actors and sports stars, and they help those people craft their public personas. They write their speeches and coach them to shine on stage. They'll share some strategies that we can all use to bounce back when we feel we just can't go on and how we can use that feedback to spur us on to greater things. We also talk about the three step process to creating a great pitch that showcases our value as a copywriter so that we get paid what we're worth. Hello, I'm Bernadette Schwirt. I'm the founder of the Australian School of Copywriting and the head copywriting tutor at the Australian Writers Centre. I've been a copywriter for over 30 years. And I've trained over 10,000 people to become successful copywriters. And one thing I know is that we can reduce the likelihood of getting negative feedback or criticism on our work if we take the time to take a good creative brief. Now, if you're a copywriter and you're not using a creative brief to guide your client conversations, you could be making life a lot more difficult for yourself than it needs to be. This feedback is from Eddie, who completed our How to Build a Freelance Copywriting Business course. He said, I wish I knew about their creative brief before I started my copywriting career. I had no idea that such a document existed. It has saved me hours of work and helps me cover off everything I need, makes me look so much more professional. My work is much better because of it. Thank you for opening my eyes to this important document. Well, thank you, Eddie. I'm glad it's been helpful. You can find out more about our courses at writercenter.com.au forward slash success. Let's get started with Troy and Zara Love. Zara and Troy Love, what a delight to have you on my podcast. Yay! Well, we're but, delighted to be here. Well, I was going to say it's the early days yet. You don't know yeah, what true. we're going to say. Give it time. Give it time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> As always, you start with a joke. These <laughs> the, You can't see these beautiful guests in front of me, but they're the most vibrant, colourful, talented, um, kindest people, and I make a point of that. And okay. um, in, I would say, the speaking business, the training business, the com- communications business, and they truly come from the heart, which is ironic considering their last name is Love. Uh, that is not a made-up name. And I bet you get all sorts of jokes about that. But let's talk. This is the first time I've done a podcast with two people at the same time. So I'd just love to talk about your bit of background. Like firstly, what do you do? And how did you guys meet? Because you're a couple in life as in in business.
1: Yeah, it's okay. beautiful. And it's interesting, you highlighted two of our deeply held Values And one is humour and good humour, the ability to connect with people in a lighthearted way and maybe create a laugh or a shared experience. And kindness would be the other value that we, I think that we use as a guiding principle in our lives. And we met at my family's comedy club in Queensland. In fact, it ran for 11 years and I was in the show and Troy was the, uh, the restaurant manager. And I had come back from living in Sydney. We met each other and we fell in love almost instantly. And, in fact, we moved in with each other the first night we got together. Our standard dinner party joke is some girls play hard to get, I play hard to get rid of. Yes, she's still here. And it's it's a good bit of humour because like all good bits of humour, it's true.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. But and, it was, yeah. and it's a surprise really because our paths should have probably crossed prior to that. You know, we mm. both grew up in Queensland. Sarah so was a Gold Coast girl. I was in Brizzy. Uh, we both went to the same university and did the same degrees at different times. Mm. And at that time my mum and my auntie were both working in the university department. That's Kelvin Grove, which is an actor's college. So we both went and did acting. Degrees. But
1: it meant that I met them before I had met Troy. And somehow he ended up working in all of the same restaurants at different times and even doing the same shows in different productions. For instance, as a young person, I did Guys and Dolls. I played the female lead. He did Guys and Dolls and played the the male lead.
2: Yeah, just for a change. So, yeah. <laughs> Only because the dress didn't fit.
1: That's right, yeah. that's right. So we know the same songs, but we didn't meet until the universe <laughs> obviously decided it was time. And I guess to answer your second question, what do we do? Where What artists... do we do, Zara? Tell I us. I don't know,
2: no.
0: it's, we need a good answer for this. Yeah,
2: we're hoping you'd tell us about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we're all of the speaking business. We've got our pictures down pat, right? So that's yeah.
2: right. That's right. We're
1: artists, we're speakers, and we're performance coaches. So predominantly, we help other people now to craft and deliver captivating stories that allow them to engage any audience every time. And that's whether it's an audience of one or a million but ways that they can bring more of who they really are in life to every piece of communication so that it becomes something more profound and something that they enjoy crafting Hmm. and
2: also delivering. And we're probably pretty unique in the speaking world in that our backgrounds are whilst very similar. You know, we're probably the only two speakers that have the background that we do in that we both trained as actors. So we were doing theatre as kids in high school. We both trained as actors, went on to professional theatre productions. Uh, We worked in Breakfast Radio together for five years. So that's a different skill set. Again, done a lot of TV in that. We worked on film as well. We had a children's animation series that we created that was seen in 90 countries and 16 languages. So we have all of this kind of diverse experience that we bring into the communication realm. And I think we just love people, really. So helping them communicate is is a win.
0: Mm. And, you know, I've had the good fortune to watch you both on stage uh, at a TED conference that you emceed, which you did for many years, right, which is, again, testament to your ability. But the the time I saw it, you had the audience absolutely in the palms of your hands and humour all the way through. And also, it's people don't know that a TED conference is actually quite difficult to do because there's so many small talks. You're actually on stage a lot.
1: Yes,
0: but, you are. Yes. So I was, I'm always amazed, and I've had the good fortune to work with you myself and also my client as well that I put forward who did an amazing event after being with you guys. So I want to talk today about um, copywriting and, and my copywriting community who might not want to be speakers per se, but they've got to speak to people one-to-one. Mm. or one to ten you know when they're doing a pitch but also about the confidence it takes to have that ability to speak your truth and to maybe say what you feel you know like push back a little bit I mean that's probably not the right word for it but we don't want to be just order takers copywriters we want to be able to say you know what I did this I crafted it I did it deliberately I spent hours on it and for you just to say no or don't like it I need to have some you know tactics and strategies on how I can Communicate that back. So that's kind of one thing I would like to talk about, and also storytelling, because mm. I think from a pitching point of view, when you're talking to a client, I know what works for me has been uh, if they say, "What do you do?" I say, "Well, I work with um, you know people like accountants." And one account I had recently, well, their issue was this, and you go into sort of a bit of a story and a case study esque, and suddenly the clients go, "I want that." So yeah. rather than pitching, you know, how many years you've been in, in business, mm. so. That's kind of what I'd like to talk about. So, Mm. where should we begin? What would you like to kick off with?
1: Let's start there. Let's start at the end in terms of how to craft a really succinct uh, description of who you are and what you do. And there's frameworks that you can use. And one that we use a lot with our clients is You Well So. You write it vertically down the page. You Well So. You is, you know, most storytelling. We're using our own stories but we're using them to benefit the audience to benefit somebody else so the first phrase of this pitch isn't about you it's about them yeah, the you is about them. Ironically. The well is the deep well of ideas and insights that you're there to share with them. And the so is the action of what it does and how it's going to help people. So think about it with storytelling, and we add a little bit more to that. So the you well so becomes you know how, well we so that. And it's a very simple formula where you might say you know how many people have a fear of public speaking yes well we give them the tools the skills and the capabilities so that they're able to stand on any stage and engage any audience every time really short succinct way of describing that now, I could drill down a little deeper. Oh, I'm sorry, I said drill down. My apologies. I've really been working with um too many corporate people for too
2: long. <laughs> yes, and we try and get them out of that sort of stuff.
1: <laughs> I, I prefer let's, let's dig deeper to elevate. So the sure. deeper that you can go in your own story or the clarity around what you're expressing, the more you're able to elevate the conversation. So it might be something like, You know how many people are, you know, scared of public speaking. It can stop them from putting their hand up and accepting new opportunities. It can really limit them in their ability to to work their way through an organisation. And it can be debilitating in our own psyches when we feel like we're unable to express ourselves onto the well. We help people to really uncover the art and science of storytelling, to identify stories that are right under their noses that they could tap into and we help them to craft them in a way that they enjoy sharing them and the audience gets a great deal from them. Down to the final part of the you-know-how-will-we-so-that format so that they're able to confidently stand in their power anytime they're in front of a, an audience or even if it's in the boardroom one-to-one they're able to feel confident that the ideas they're sharing are valuable and worthy of listening to wow. so, yeah so all I've done there is make it and again I'm riffing that off the top of my head if I did it a second time it wouldn't be the same so I'm just trying to connect the truth of what I'm saying you do a short version first you well so and then elaborate go a little fatter with each of those structures and that can actually form the introduction of a great piece that can <laughs> form your purpose
2: and you know you've done it right when people go oh that's fascinating tell me more that's yeah.
0: right can i put you on the spot yeah. and because i know you're really good at that Uh-oh. um and maybe just improvise around a copywriter like, let's, let me paint the picture. So you've got a copywriter. They're sitting with a potential new client having a cup of coffee or a Zoom, and the client says, what do you do? And let's paint the picture. We've got a copywriter over here. Maybe she's worked for a bank for 10 years, brand new to copy, had lots of experience in banking but not copywriting. So, But she's written tons of reports and, you know, newsletters and things like that. So how could we use that framework to help her craft her pitch?
1: Okay, so the you, and Troy, you can have a crack at this, but Mm. the you is about them, right? It's not about you yet. That's the great thing. And I should point out too that the you know how dot, dot, dot is designed for you to uh, share a piece of insight that instantly gets a yes from your audience. So the idea behind it is that you're sharing something that, the other person is going to nod their head and go, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what we are talking to. What did I do in the last one? You know how many people find it difficult speaking in public. Now, you can't say, no, I've never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, because mm. we know that people rate that, you know, above dying. <laughs> what's that wonderful quote from Seinfeld we I really love it people
2: are more scared of public speaking than they are of death this has been proven so Jerry Seinfeld says that means that at a funeral you'd rather be in the casket than delivering the eulogy (laughs) I I think it's pretty true from my experience here yeah
1: yeah, so it's it's designed you need to make it relatable the the you know how is is you know how it's tough to get all your ideas Uh, down onto the one page at the one time. You've had 20 years of building this business, this idea, this organization, whatever it happens to be, um, and streamlining that to ensure that you're able to take the best messaging um, and direct it to the right audience, that can be a challenge, right? Now, that for a particular audience that you're there to pitch your copywriting skills to, that might have an application that they understand. Uh, Then you move on to you. Well, now, even though I say, well, we, it can be, well, I, or just well um, we'll, will allow you to dig a little deeper. Well, one of my passions is taking too much information (laughs) and finding the little nuggets of gold, the little pearls of wisdom, the little diamonds in the rough and highlighting those in a way that will enable your audience to understand immediately who you are and what you have to offer so that they're already interested, already engaged in what you have to say. Now, I've gone from an external audience to an internal audience in that riffing, because again, I don't know a lot about copywriters, to be honest with you.
2: Even though your sister has been a very successful copywriter for many years. (laughs) That's
1: true, that's true. I know what she does and she's very good at what she does.
2: Siren Award winner, you know, Khan Award winner, all that stuff.
1: Right, so it's you about them. Well, dig deeper and so that is the benefit. Benedict, why don't you have a crack? You know the
0: world of copyright. Okay. Okay, so you know how it's really hard to get traffic to your website. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I'm a copywriter who specializes in SEO and I'm really good at identifying the words that people type into Google Mm -hmm. and and getting them onto your website so that that matches and therefore Google can put you up number one on Google so that when people are looking for your product and they type in these particular words, your website's gonna come up first.
1: Yeah, beautiful, beautiful, great. Great. So you started with traffic and you could actually, I I think that that was powerful and that Mm. was succinct in a nutshell and less than 30 seconds, right? The idea behind this pitch, and and trust me, it's not something you do just riff and nail in the first go. No. You might want to write it out. You might want to talk it out. You might want to craft it and sort of rework it so that it becomes natural in that if you were at a dinner party and someone asked you what you do, it wouldn't sound like you had crafted a pitch.
2: Yes, just let me get my cue cards. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. uh, No, it would just roll off the tongue naturally. That's the benefit of, like like you do with copy, you know, you, you revamp all the time, you revise, you find, in tune. You need to do that with speaking as well. And a big advice for speaking versus writing is to speak. Yeah. So uh, all of us carry around these voice memos now in terms of phones. Mm. So you can easily record yourself if you have an idea or if you've got a better way to say it, just do a quick recording. You've got it there. If you need to change it to text, you can.
1: Yeah. And transcription services have just revolutionized the way that we're able to take that and do something with it. So, you know, we use Otter all the time and we record it into our phones. We come back with a transcript, we break it up on the page, make it more interesting, say let's do a better way to start that conversation. I think we need to give more detail in the middle. And then I think we need a call to action at the end, actually, I think we need to be really clear on what we're asking them to do. But you riff it first, that's called riffing it. And it's a um, a musical term that music artists do really naturally with each other. You might get a couple of guitarists just sitting together, riffing around a few chords. It becomes amazing and turns into a song wrong yeah so we want to riff with our words too what is it that we're trying to say what do I want them to know more than anything else and sometimes I prompt myself with very myself yeah, and all myself all yourselves <laughs> there are many me, shall I be that's right I prompt myself with those sorts of questions what am I trying to say you know if I could have them walk away repeating one one thing what is it what do I want them to say and then work backwards from there
0: lovely lovely I think also for um, people listening who might have done some of my courses, there's, there's some parallels coming here because the it's no secret that, like I use that a lot in we've got this link phrase sort of list of words where we use words to string features and benefits together, Beautiful. right? So it's often very difficult just for people to put copy on the page. But if you have these phrases, they basically link that idea with that idea. But one of them, it's no secret that. And I completely agree because you want to get that, buy in at the start. Yeah, you know, it's no secret that public speaking is terrifying. It's no secret it's really hard getting your website on page one. It's no secret that um, you know it's hard to get traffic. So just so people listening who've actually done my courses you can see the parallels going on here through the link phrases. It's
1: the same idea. It's the same idea. And I like the you one I like both of those. I'm going to steal yours if that's okay. You are welcome but, great you. thank you. Uh, but but the you version I like it too because it reminds you that You're not there for you. Yes, you're going to be sharing some insights and stories that are going to be valuable to them, but you're only there for them. Now, that's a really beautiful thing because it takes all the pressure off your shoulders I'm not there to make this, to to get this right or to be perfect or to not stumble or, you know, for them to love me instantly. I'm there to create some common ground so that they understand exactly what I have to offer and they want to pick it up straight after. And the idea of those three steps, as Troy said, um, isn't that you describe everything you do in those three steps, not at all. It's kind of just like the taste test. I think you used an analogy this morning that i really liked of it's like fly fishing so you kind of
2: which i've never done but i get the concept yeah which yeah. is you know you, you you're have, not a
0: fisherman right no no but you're
2: no, I the same a... area of water with a fly right that's the yeah. idea to tantalize the fish because from underneath they're seeing what an insect does which is hitting yeah. the same spot a few times and there's a lot of similarity with copywriting and certainly with seo right you're hitting that same spot in a variety of slightly different ways because that's where you want to target
0: yeah
2: I think that's kind of the idea is to hand it out there and offer.
0: Exactly. I kind of like the you-know-how almost more than It's No Secret That. I mean, It's No Secret That's really good for print, but the you-know-how is really good for verbal Yes. Right. Because it's no secret
1: that, you know. It's no <laughs> secret. it's an optimizer. <laughs> it's an optimizer. <laughs> yeah. well, you, having said that, it's how you say it. Yeah. So look, it's no secret that yeah. it's hard to get your website, you know, number one page. on the, whatever that needs to be. You mm. know, and so that's then the performance side. And we always say it's fifty percent content, fifty percent delivery. So, you know, you don't have to tweak and change your content right up until whatever the meeting or the presentation is. The idea is to lock and load. Go, yep, that's what I want to say. Now I'm going to spend the other half of the time on making sure it's really comfortable in my mouth in my body that i can confront any objections i might get if they interrupt me halfway am i all right with changing course and adapting to where they've taken us so then it's on your feet working it out loud now little process is riff it write it speak it tweak it it's four steps of riff it write it speak it tweak it and it means riff it what am i trying to say get it out loud Spit it into your phone.
2: Write it down rough.
1: On the page, on a bit of butcher's paper or a napkin, whatever. Then once you kind of got your ideas that are are rough and, and you can see them now, now either talk it onto the page or what is write it? Write it. Now write it. So put it down so there's an outline of sorts and you've captured something. Then try speaking it again. Now that you've captured it and you try speaking it, you'll notice, oh, this feels really unnatural or I can't possibly share that much detail as a dot point because it's too much and Mm. they're not going to, it doesn't sound like I would normally speak. Then you tweak it, you change it, and you write it the way that you speak and we write rough. We write with dot, dot, dots and dashes all the time. So,
2: And in fact, if you take transcripts, as we often do from clients who are great speakers, you'll see that as copy, they don't necessarily make sense. Because mm. in the moment, they're able to be impactful and link us together with thoughts rather than with actual words. So this is where it does start to deviate a little from copy. And I love both of these worlds. The great thing about communication is we do it every day. So you always have an opportunity to practice either the written word or the spoken word. Mm. Mm.
0: There's one thing I think that's interesting is... Um, for a lot of students or, you know, people starting out in copywriting, is pricing. When they get asked, what do you charge? And they often stumble. They go, oh, I charge 100, no, actually 50, no, oh, sorry, 75. And, you know, in that moment, all the credibility is gone. Yes, yeah. Yes. Because the minute you stumble, and, and I watch for people when they're talking about price, because I can see their heart rate pretty much elevate, or I can see them get nervous, and I can see, you know, what's their their how do they value themselves with their pricing? Is it mm. said confidently? Is it said oh, without yeah. with with congruency? So, in addition to what you've just said, which is rehearse your pricing, so when you know you're going to get asked, what oh. do you charge? Oh. You need to rehearse that that's, as well. That's what, good. What sort of strategies would you say? can you share about pricing in terms of talking about price?
2: I think it's really important to be confident. You're quite right. So that means practicing it enough so that it's second nature. And you want to be clear and concise and short. Mm -hmm. Less is always better in every form of the spoken form. You know, if you can say it in less words, do it. We
1: always start with a little bit of humor. They say, how much? And we say, well, we like to start at a million. So yeah. you get a laugh. Yeah, so you no, get a little little laugh. And then we say, well, it's a six-month program. Uh, we recently ran it for this particular client, so I use a bit of edification. Comparison. It was at that price. However, I know this is a smaller team, so we think this is fair. And that's
0: when you name your price. Yep, and I name my price. Name it
2: and stop. Stop talking at that <laughs> point. That's yeah. a great negotiation tip too is um, once you've got to the price and you've justified that and, you know, you feel that you're there, just stop talking and listen.
0: Excellent. I was talking to one of my clients uh, just recently. He's a big coach and also a sales expert, brilliant at selling. And he's got this theory, which I hadn't really heard before, which I love. And he said that the rookies mention price at the end, the pros mention price in the middle, but the real sales, you know, guns, they mention it at the start. Wow. And I thought it was really interesting because I think there is a perspective, I'll just give them everything I know and who I am and all the benefits, and then I'll tell them the price. But the problem with that is they've got nothing to hang those benefits on. There's yeah. no context as to, well, is that good value or not? Because I don't know how much it cost. Yeah, so yeah. I say that a lot to my students as well, that you've got to get the pricing out the way quite quickly. Yes. You know, you don't want to spend hours sort of pitching and then realise they've got $100 to spend.
1: Yes, Yes. that's right. Um, Look at the amount of times you're going to do it anyway. You're going to waste your time um, pitching to people that either don't have the money or have decided to go another way anyway. I, I think somewhere in the early days in the middle is right. And then you can actually look at a framework. So for one of our our introductory programs for becoming a professional speaker or a better communicator, it's priced at the same point as a keynote speaker would earn delivering one hour on stage. So we're able to say you get six sessions over three months for the same price um, that you will be making basically in in the
0: future. them something to hang off, they go, well, that, that seems really fair. Yeah. yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And I think that's interesting for copywriters too to think, what is the value of the product this person is selling? Because if you can sort of connect it to, well, if you were to improve your SEO ranking or your click-through rate or whatever it might be, and you sold 10 of these, that would pay for my fee in yes. a day. Yeah, that's right. That's right. When you start to sort of compare, is it worth a car? Is it worth a $70,000 car? You know, what's my value? So um, any thoughts? Uh, Sorry, just one thing. I'm Sorry to interrupt
1: there, honey, but uh, you can also think of the good, better, best idea. So I come from a real estate family who, you know, always be closing. We believe always be coaching. Uh, But the good, better, best model is you're offering them three choices. The one that you want them to take is really the middle one, not the best. Yeah, so you offer that with us. We do an introductory program. We do a keynote in a day program, which is more money than the original one, and we do a year-long program, which is the most again. Now, really what I'm pitching them at is the middle ground um, because that's the one that I can get in the most, and it's the least amount of our time for the biggest bang for their buck. Mm. So that's the one that I promote the most.
2: It's actually a win-win, that that package. That's right.
1: That's right. So think of two good, better, best if you've
0: got other offerings. Of it. It's like gold, silver, bronze. That is, that's it. Yeah. That's same. Yeah. Awesome. So, what about? Was there anything else you'd like to talk about with when it comes to pricing? Before I move on to my next question, is there anything you'd like to add about how we can justify our value?
2: Yeah, yeah. I I think you have to do your research. You have to look at what other people are doing and charging, but don't be beholden to that. I I think when we started, when we came out of radio and moved to Melbourne and started working in the corporate arena, it took a while to get traction and develop Uh, this new business that we were building together. uh, But after a couple of years, all of a sudden it had momentum. And you know we were aware what other people were charging and we were probably at the most expensive end of the market for our mc offering and this is about 2008 for 10 years straight there but we were consistent with that pricing it was always the same for a three-day event we always had one price and people knew and we had clients that booked us each year for 10 years during that time and we just kept the price the same mm. yes it started expensive but over time you mm. know <laughs> it's not too bad so you don't i think be aware of what other people are doing and what they're charging but don't feel like you have to conform to that. If you feel you have a value that's over and above what other people can bring, it's worth it.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Troy. And you can grow into the rate that you charge also, because you're quite right. After leaving Radio, we're on a lot of money. And then we went to no money for a couple of years. We had no idea what we were going to do next um, or what we were going to use our skills for. We'd left that because we didn't enjoy the industry at the time. It was conscious decision. We walked away from the money, but then we had nothing for a period of time. And so your mindset goes straight to the base. Oh, my God, I've got to take anything I can get. If they offer me $10, yes, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it for the next two weeks, whatever that is.
2: But you can end up undercutting yourself and undercutting other people in the industry.
1: That's right. But then you, you've you got to raise the bar for yourself. So then you start getting some runs on the board. You start gaining in confidence. And I remember really clearly we were asked to do a particular job for an organisation and they started with the budget. and On the money conversation, often I will start now with what's your budget?
2: which is very hard because we're often dealing with third parties. We're dealing with agencies who are acting on behalf of the client. They don't always know.
1: That's right. But if they do, what's the budget is a great one because they can go, well, I think we, 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 we toyed with this much last year, so I think we've got this much to play with. It gives you an idea. Of whether you're going to be the right match or not, or whether you have to concede,
2: and also what you're pitching. You go, oh well, that sounds like my standard offering. Plus, I can probably offer a bit more, considering right. they've got a bit more.
1: But you can rise, you can raise that energy, that financial energy within you as well. And we were working for a particular organisation. They said, can you do this job? It's a one-day. We've only got this much bang, and it was more money than we had seen in a very long time. <laughs> so
2: certainly, I, certainly the highest day rate we'd ever encountered. That's <laughs> up right to that point. So
1: I had to go. Uh, Yes, I I think we can. uh, Make that work. uh, (laughs) All right, I've got to you. (laughs) But you know what that did? That instantly made us go, okay, that's now our new base. Mm. That's where we start from now. And we really understood our value, particularly when we were emceeing predominantly because you hold that audience in the palm of your hand for a day, two days, three days. You have to come on after terrible presentations you have to
2: come on after, after killer presentations equally as hard.
1: That's right. Yeah. And either way, you've got to be the magical thread that keeps the audience inspired, motivated. You talked about the TED audience. Now, they notoriously are a tough audience. It's a very cold environment, the TED environment, because the speakers are terrified.
2: Yes, and they're focused on their 8 minutes or 15 minutes of recording time. Remember, this is a big day with lots of little recordings. So it's like being in a TV studio. There's a lot of stops. That's right. And we're we're there to fill in the stops.
1: That's right. And so we purposely bring warmth, and I think warmth is a really great way to ask for what you need, in life it's also a great way to share what you do in life but our approach is to bring warmth and humor and to diffuse all of the tension, tension. so yeah. that people feel like they're in safe hands it's okay to laugh and that's what you were feeling as an mm. audience member.
0: It mm. worked it worked brilliantly and I think with MC work and I'm one as well it's if you're good, no one notices. If yeah. you're bad, yeah. everyone notices. <laughs> yeah. one thing, that was a really rubbish conference and they quite quite put their finger on why. Yes. Yeah. Because often it's the M's, it's not just the MC, of course, but it's that kind of it's a thankless task in some respects. If it goes seamlessly, they go good. Yeah. But not thank you so much. You know, that they don't see all the mind. work that goes into it. And I'm not, you know, not seeking extra, you know. Applauds for doing my job we but, you all know it is a really line. difficult job that people just underestimate
1: yeah. um it's like i guess it's like being a surgeon
0: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> when you, you come out alive they go oh, i'm paying this bill is it this much That's right. you know but if it goes badly then you you know who's to blame um <laughs> let's talk about um client conflict, you know, or that sense of the client doesn't like what you've done mm. and you want to be able to say, well, not even don't like it, they just even, don't even know well, how to respond, yes, you know. Yes. So what do you do or what can you recommend some strategies for people who, who go through that as copywriters particularly?
2: Yeah. Well, first things first is we've always kind of had this belief that you give the client what they want, but you also give them what they need. And sometimes they don't know what they need until after they've seen it. It's easier done in a probably in a performance context for us because we can demonstrate it. We can you know, even if before the, before the event they're having a conversation about a piece and they're going, oh, I'm not sure about that. And we go, look, we are really confident in it. We've seen it work with other audiences. Trust us. Let us have a go. You know, and often they'll come back and go, you were absolutely right on that. I'm mm. so glad we did it. Or it'll be a highlight piece, you know, mm. of, of, the, of the event. So, yes, you do have to give them what they want, but sometimes you've got to give them what they need. And most of the time they don't actually know what they need, but they're very particular about what they want.
1: Mm. It's building trust too, I think. You have to, you know, you have to do the work to build the trust and sometimes that can be challenging. I remember a a particular organisation, Telecommunication, um, where we worked with them in Macau one year and it was so beautiful. It was 300 people so small intimate conference. They were
2: part of a much bigger group, but this particular group that were in Asia-based were more like a startup. So whilst their traditional company was very much corporate and what you'd expect, these guys had the feel of a startup. It was a really exciting time in
0: the business.
1: And we were able, we just rocked that conference. It was us and two organizers that put it together. They trusted us to be able to deliver. And really on the, I remember day two, they said, oh, we've lost a a speaker. Can Mm. you fill half a day? And we went, yeah, of course. So, we just kind of talked them through a process. Actually, you well, so was one of them, was one of the processes that we talked them through. So, the conference was beautiful, everybody loved it. The next year, we came to work with the same organization and they had been merged into a bigger part of the business. So, now it was a conference for 2000. And with that came 30 internal stakeholders. Who all needed to know exactly who we were, what we were going to do, what we were going to say, when we were going to say it, and it was hell. I hated it.
2: Completely. So- it actually put a lot of ner- nerves and, and put more pressure on us, yes. which, which is fine. I mean, that's all part of the job. That- but I believe that particular event, there was an email sent to HR within no, our no, first flight. No, no, no. no. That, that was
1: another. Oh no! We were about that. We that's right. That's right. That. Um, but <laughs> they, within ten minutes of seeing us on stage. They got it. Yes. And then they relaxed. And the following year, it was us and two other people back in the room saying, what do we want to do for this conference? So we had built trust over time. Troy's talking about another horrible time that we had with the same client
2: and the funny thing is for us (laughs) horrible is just really a bad feeling it's never oh it went horrifically wrong and the audience were all aware it's tension between you and maybe one of the 15 organizers so there
1: was tension anyway in the crew um in the people that were pulling the the conference together so there's already tension there and difficult personality so just prickly um which isn't easy to work with Uh, And then this particular conference, we came on stage and did a particular good humored. Funny. Funny. That, as Troy said, there was an HR, there was a letter to HR within the first like five minutes. And we walked off stage and they said, the client is so unhappy with you. And my heart just sank because
2: we spent days and days and weeks days yeah. and weeks on this content you yeah
1: know? now it was a different client within the business because each time you worked with them each year it was somebody new that was running the conference so mm. she didn't have what we had done the year before and the year before and was from hr anyway
2: didn't have the context
1: didn't have the context yeah. and just we felt terrible and for the r- next two days it i just hard. felt like i had to walk yeah. on eggshells. i was yeah. so scared was of sick. what we could say and what we got so sometimes You get it wrong. Sometimes they get it wrong for whatever reason. They're not seeing it the way the audience is seeing it and they're taking it out of context and saying, you shouldn't have said that. Now, maybe there's some truth in that, and particularly now, I think we've got to be more careful about what we're saying to people, but it's the anomaly because I would say nine times out of ten, I'm broad and naughty. I'm doing exactly what I'm doing with you right now. I'm speaking honestly from the heart to the heart. Nine times
0: out of ten, it's fabulous. Yes, One Mm. times out of 10, it's a calamity. Yeah. Well, it's like everything. You get one piece of bad feedback and you focus on that and you get all the 10 out of 10s and you ignore those. That's right. And we just focus on that. And I think that's another thing, just a point to make is if you do get bad feedback as a copywriter, just know Well, this client I was mentioning earlier, he has this thing called an I am great file. And yeah. what he does is he collects all his revu- reviews and his testimonials and all wow. the things that he's done. He puts it in a book and when something happens that's not great or sort of hits him in the self-esteem, yep. he flicks through it. And yeah. goes, you know what, I'm not that bad. And there I was just one person who did this. And I think you've really got to... Look for the exception, you know, and often it is everyone loves you. It's just this one person who can really bring you down quite quickly. Yeah,
2: most people are looking to make a positive impact in the world, you know. So when we get it wrong, it's okay. We get it wrong from yeah. time to time. You learn from it, you move on.
1: And there's, I was mentioning to somebody on another call this morning that I, I was reading a wonderful book um, from Don Miguel Ruiz, Ruiz mm. who talks about the four agreements in life. And these I, I, really stood out to me. And he says, if you can follow these four agreements, you're going to have a pretty successful life the first one is be impeccable with your word the second is don't take things personally <laughs> in fact he says don't take anything personally wow <laughs> the next one is don't make assumptions and the last one is always do your best so working backwards if you're always doing your best then there's no need to berate yourself when things go wrong don't make assumptions that it was all your fault that things did go wrong but maybe ask more questions
2: or indeed that it was terrible because it may not have been
1: don't take things personally someone may hate what you did but that could very well be because they're triggered by something that's happened in their past or you're revealing something that they're not comfortable to be revealed it's not about you it's about then and then working back to be impeccable with your word are you delivering what you said you would deliver you can hang your coat on that and go to sleep each night proud of the work that you did. So They're I think nice. that's good
0: messages. They're beautiful. And I think there's a few points that have sort of coming up for me. There's a, a thing at the moment, I don't know if you've stumbled on it, but there's a thing called highly sensitive people, HSPs. Have you heard of this?
2: Well, Not, not, in, that, not in that phrase, but
0: we are. Yeah, for- like I was talking to a girlfriend of mine and, and she was saying that, you know, she's a certain age and she's really good at what she does and she got some feedback and it really crumpled her. And it really hit her. And she said, I should be better than this. I shouldn't have to take this so personally. I, I can't cope. I think I should be more resilient at this age.
2: Oh. And I
0: thought it was, and I've talked to a few friends about this, and it seems it happens to women. It might happen to men too, but it just seems to be this sort of age. Um, maybe it's the environment, who knows. But anyway, she sent me this link about highly sensitive people and look, it's it could be anything you want it to be, but I thought it was quite an interesting thing that certain people are very intuitive, very empathic, um, very emotionally aware, and they take on other people's moods and vibes. And yeah. therefore, what one person might think, "Oh, that's no big deal," this person takes it to heart. That's right. So I just thought sort it of found it very interesting that well- if we. Yeah,
2: go for it. Yeah, I think artistic people have that anyway. There's a certain sensitivity to people who are drawn towards artistic endeavours, be that, you know, copywriting or speaking or whatever, um, that I think we have that sensitivity because it's kind of what makes us good and what makes us understand other people's emotions and be able to play on those and draw those out. You know, I I think we have a bit of susceptibility to that, but with your friend, the self-awareness would say that she is on the way to changing that if she wants to anyway because a lot of people don't have that self-awareness. That's
1: true. Um, HSV I have heard of because a client brought it to me, her daughter had it, and she was telling me about all the um, symptoms and I went, oh, my goodness, that's me. That's me. Down, I am to,
2: down to clothing labels, like Zara can't wear clothing labels, has yeah. to cut the labels out.
1: Everything I buy, the first thing that happens is it has to have a wide neck, the, the label comes off. Um, and I read through this checklist and I went, oh, my goodness, that is me. <laughs> yeah. and, and Troy's quite right. I think it is artists a lot that have that sensitivity. It's a beautiful thing because it means that you can feel other people's pain. It means that you can feel other people's joy. It means that you can put yourself in their shoes and understand where they're coming from, that's powerful. But when you take it on, um, and I did as a child, I had a terrible eating disorder and that was aligned to this as well. Mm. It was all of a sudden i made mm. everything my fault and it created a real sickness. And Audrey Hepburn, who was a beautiful actor, Um, actress, whatever you want to say, in the 50s, actor, I believe. Actor is now
2: politically correct.
1: Um, She used to say that when she worked with a director who loved her, you say, oh, Audrey, you are divine. Anything you do is perfection. Just do what you do. She could find all of this nuance and power and intrigue in her performance and she would excel. And if she had a director that was, oh, stop, Um, don't move there, That that looked bad, all of a sudden, bit by bit, her confidence would wane to the point where she couldn't open her mouth and even utter the line. And I can relate to that too. I think it's difficult when people are highly critical. I think it's why I spend a life trying to be generous with the way that I give feedback because I know it can be harsh. But we need to learn to separate ourselves Mm. from other people's opinions because, again, don't make assumptions and don't take anything personally that Mm, that way that they're talking to you maybe the way that they've spoken to everybody in their lives
0: yeah and i think you're, you're right that what makes a writer good or an actor or musician is their empathy and their ability to take on other emotions and if you can develop that resilience as well to not take it personally to not make assumptions if you've got that dual sort of combo of sensitivity and resilience. What an amazing gift. You oh. know, because you can keep going. I think this is what I see happen is, and I'll give you an example. One of my students from 10 years ago, he did my course, gorgeous guy, brilliant at everything. And his first job out, he got really bad feedback in copywriting, He'd never done it before, right? Just first, first crack. And he said, I couldn't do it again. He said, it completely shattered my confidence. Mm -hmm. And literally, whistle and touch, he's a friend, 10 years later, he said to me, this this the other day, he said, I wish I had not let that person had so much power over me because I could have been a copywriter for 10 years and now he's standing again. He's annoyed. You know, he let so much time go for this one comment.
1: Yes. There's a beautiful phrase. It's don't use other people's words against you. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. it, don't take other people's opinions and words and use them as an attack against yourself. You know, create that separation that allows you to be objective and to come back and say, well, first run off the, you know, of course it's going to be a little shaky. The next one will be better. We interviewed Ida Butros recently and she's got such a lovely um, outlook on life, very successful career, but her her philosophy is tomorrow will be a better day. Yeah. and she believes it and as mm-hmm. you've seen in her life she's created some incredible results through that mindset tomorrow will be a better day take from it what you need what do you need to learn um and then what are the three things you're grateful for from that experience and then put it in a box send it to someone else if you need to or just put it in a drawer and move on I love it I've, I've got, got a ten, ten, ten. so you go try I was just going to say,
0: don't let anything stop you, because that's really the only failure. Yeah, if you fail, if you stop, right? Yes. But um, I remember hearing Jack Welsh from GE and his wife. I think it's Susie. I can't remember, but anyway, they this was years ago. There's this great philosophy. I think it was his wife who had it, and she called it the 10-10-10. And basically, it was saying if you got bad feedback or something bad's happened, it's just cut you to the core. You know, have a think about it. is this going to hurt for like 10 hours, maybe? Will it hurt for 10 days? Probably not. What about 10 months? Definitely not. So if you can do the 10, 10, 10, you go, okay, for 10 minutes or even 10 hours, this is going to really hurt. Just accept it and just weather it, you know, go through it. And then you know that it's going to be okay because you've got through it. You know you'll get through it. And I find that helpful for me because when things happen that don't go my way, I go, this sucks. Oh, this is really horrible. I don't like my feeling, but I know it's not going to last and that's this too shall pass and tomorrow's a better day and all that kind of stuff. So I think we've got to have these strategies. I think if we don't, as creative people, you can really get hammered and you give up and you go back to what you were doing and that's not what we want.
1: That's right and you're going to continue to get negative feedback. People don't know how to do it, people don't know how to receive it. Some people are blatant, some people are just rude. You you will get all kinds of feedback. So somehow you've got to put yourself in a bubble of power. You know, something that says, I'm in, I'm on a learning curve here and I'm going to listen for the insights that are going to bring value to my writing and to my life and the rest I'm just going to analyze If there's anything valuable there, yep, great, and the rest I'm just letting go. You know, we have a philosophy which is, can I swear? Yep. Can I say um, it's called shit in a box. (laughs) 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 And it's the idea that sometimes, you know, people hand you a big stinky turd. And they, they put it right up to your nose. But and- they
2: put it in a box and sometimes they'll gift wrap it. And what is our instinct when we see a gift? Yep. And that's especially that's thrust out towards us. Yeah, we We accept instinctively it. go, oh, um. Thanks. Thanks. That's right.
1: Now you take the lid off the box and you realise it's a big stinky turd. At that point you've got an option, right? (laughs) You can put the lid back on, put the little bow and then hand it back to the giver and say, I think you're gonna get more joy out of that. (laughs) But what most of us do, we look in the box and we go, Oh, it's a big stinky turd. Hang on, I'm just gonna rub it all over myself. (laughs) roll in it for a few days oh my god what do i stink well it is a
2: gift i guess i should keep it
1: why is there crap all over me no give the big stinky turd back to the person that's giving it to you yep they obviously need it
0: more yeah exactly that sounds like a fantastic place to finish (laughs) oh troy and zara you've been an absolute delight it's such a joy to have you on and you truly do embody the name so thank you so much for your time thank you pleasure i think what Troy and Zara embody so beautifully, is they live their values and they give without any expectation of getting anything in return. And they put kindness at the heart of everything they do. Good question to ask ourselves when we're starting out our copywriting careers could be, what are my values? What do I stand for? How do I want to be seen? And when all our communication, written and spoken, comes through that filter, we really can't lose. We can sleep well at night knowing that we conducted ourselves on purpose, with intent, and even in the face of negative feedback or criticism, we can hold our head high and take whatever was coming our way with grace and stoicism. This way lies a long and happy career. If you'd like to have a community that you can turn to when things don't go well, you should join Copy Club. It's Australia's most innovative and dynamic community for copywriters where you can find your tribe. You can access our incredible hub of training videos and templates. You can attend our Ask Me Anything sessions where you can get feedback on your work and just get the confidence to keep going even if things don't go according to plan. To find out more, check out copyclub.com.au. And my joke of the day, because I know you're waiting for it. My husband accused me of stealing his thesaurus. Not only was I shocked, but I was appalled, aghast and dismayed. Did you like how I was actually able to say the word thesaurus without stumbling? Considering it's a book that's designed to help us find a better word, you'd have thought they would have come up with an easier word for it, wouldn't you think? And my tip of the day is from C.S. Lewis. He said, hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. Nice. If you like this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And that's it from me. All the best and bye-bye.
2: Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Copywriter. You'll find the show notes at So
0: You Want to Be a or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news, where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions, and much more. This podcast was brought to you by the Australian Writers Centre.